Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for a very special episode of the show. A surprise episode, the best type of episodes if you ask me. A surprise interview episode. We alluded to this on an episode during the week that we may have a special guest on the show this weekend. Well... Today is the day, folks. We deliver on our promises here on the Oz Network at least 73% of the time because we are being joined by the one, the only, Mr. Greg Sestero from The Room himself. Oh, hi, Mark. That's right. Mark from The Room, Greg Sestero. It is a massive guest to have on this very program, particularly of how obsessed we are with The Room on this show. But I hear you questioning right now, Ben, why on earth have you got Greg on the show in February? You do your annual Room episode every August. Well... He is in Australia this very weekend for two reasons and two reasons alone. One is he is attending a screening of The Room featuring a Q&A in Sydney and is also premiering his brand new movie, which he wrote, stars and directs. It is called Miracle Valley. And I'm going to read you what this is about. An obsessive photographer and his girlfriend are invited to a desert getaway in search of an ultra rare bird. Fortune, fame, and mending their fading relationship takes a turn at the hands of a sinister force. It is a horror movie. Greg, as you'll hear in this chat, has had a long admiration for the horror genre and has always wanted to be involved in a horror film. And this is directorial, directorial debut. Just like today, apparently, is my podcasting debut. His directorial debut. And the Australian premiere is happening this very Sunday at the Hayden Orpheum Picture Palace in Sydney. And it will be shown there and directly afterwards, a screening of The Room. So, Greg is on the show today to talk a little bit about Miracle Valley. Exactly what the movie is about, how it came about, how he wrote it, the experience of filming it, his admiration for horror, as I talked about, and just what it means to him to get back into writing and directing and even starring in this film. It's a great, fun chat that we know you are going to enjoy. And, of course, The Room. The Room itself is talked about in this interview so sit back, relax, and listen, and hear me say, oh, hi, Greg, for our chat with Greg Sestero. Every year here on the Oz Network in August, we like to celebrate a little film called The Room. We did a recap of it way back in 2018, and so in love with that film did we fall that we said every year on that date, we would do a special episode to celebrate it, and today... I'm so excited that we are able to bring somebody from that film on the show today. Not obviously talk about The Room, which we will, of course, get to, but a brand new film that he is not only in, but wrote, started, uh, directed it, sorry, and is about to bring it to Australia for the very first time. 
as well as having a screening of the room, a Q&A, and just get to mingle with the fans of himself, the film, and everything else in between that has made the room such a cult following for 20 years. We are celebrating 20 years of it in 2023, believe it or not. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome to the Oz Network, the one, the only, Mr. Greg Sestero. And I've got to do it. Sorry, Greg. Oh, hi, Greg. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I haven't been down to Australia since 2018. Wow. Um, and it's such a treat to come down there. Um, the people are just so much fun. The audiences really get it. And, and then they taught me an expression. I don't, I don't know if this is Australian or uh, British, but they're like, they're like, yeah, man, you take the piss really well, <laughs> uh, which kind of cracked me up. Um, but yeah, Sydney, especially Sydney's kind of, it feels really uh, comfortable because it kind of reminds me a little bit of San Francisco, mm-hmm. which is where I'm from. Um, and uh, it's just a really, yeah, really good time. And the, the Hayden Orpheum is one of the most beautiful theaters um, I've been to traveling the world. So just a really great house. And um yeah, no, I'm I'm stoked to finally come back to Sydney. Not only to, obviously, um, you know, they do the room really hard there, but obviously to show them a new horror film. Because last time I was there in 2018, I told them my goal, the next thing I wanted to do was make a horror film. So got a chance to make it. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. So finally, um, all these years later, I get to come back. Which I, I love this passion for horror that you have and sort of in the lead up to this interview, watching some interviews you've done about it, the film, of course, called Miracle Valley, which I know many people here are very excited to see. So this is always something that I think you wanted to do, wasn't it, a horror film? Yeah, I grew up loving, like one of my favorite films was uh, Psycho. Uh, I used to live right down the street from the Halloween house, the original Michael Myers house. Wow. And, um, you know, I, so it's, uh, it's just always been something that I feel like seeing with the crowd, especially is a great time so having you know shown the room and seen that crowd how interactive they are i just felt like making like a 70s grindhouse interactive horror film would be something that would be uh, a lot of fun you went to arizona i believe to sort of research this it's about cults and uh, something which you two have also been very much into so what was it about arizona was it just the desert was that something where a lot of cults have been there and kind of what was that experience being out there to to write the film and then obviously transitioning that into putting it all together so it's a really um, where i was staying is a really cool ranch where they used to shoot uh, old westerns and i went down there to relax and do some writing and research and i just stumbled upon this abandoned church that was sitting out there in the middle of the desert and i thought first of all i thought this is a really intriguing filming location and then the more i learned about its history i was like wait this whole story is a great backdrop for a horror film um and i've always been fascinated by cults and i was like okay i'm gonna dive into this i'm gonna study it and i had this incredible like really cool setup and so i thought I can film this whole movie right here. So while I was writing the script, it was cool because I could see everything come together and what I had access to. So I sort of tailored the script right into, um, into the story. And we, uh, I wrote the script. Once I got the idea, it's sort of about a blood trafficking cult. So think of they traffic people uh, based on their blood type and then turn that into something very, very bizarre, which the movie gets into. Um, so I wrote the script in about two and a half weeks, three weeks, and then we made the movie like 
four months later and shot that in like three or four weeks. So it all came together really fast and it was just cool to be filming a story about a cult right in its backyard. Is it one of these ones that when you are in that situation that I'm sure you're hearing sort of real life stories or you've read all these sort of stories that do you get a bit superstitious the way you're, you're filming it? Because there's all these great films, you know, The Exorcist and these sort of films where sort of, you know, life imitates art or art imitates life almost kind of that way. Do you sort of get a bit concerned on that side of things when you're filming a movie like this? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to just kind of tie in all the fun elements that I love from horror films. So I grabbed like 20 Blu-rays of DVDs of movies that I loved, you know, The Hills Have Eyes, Breakdown, Don't Breathe, um, The Exorcist, and just sort of watched a little bit of those every morning with my morning coffee and was like, what do I like about these movies? Why are they rewatchable? Is it the score? Is it the characters? Is it the comedy? And so I just kind of let those soak in. I'm like, I'm going to try to do an homage as much as I can to those movies that I love that, you know, you don't know where they're going. There's twists, there's comedy. One of my favorite things about horror is sort of the, the comedy that comes out of the, um, out of the ridiculousness. So we, we just kind of followed that, that path and, um, just tried to make something fun. So I didn't get too worried about the cult coming after me, at least not yet. Not yet. Exactly. Not yet. I love that idea of, you know, waking up, having a coffee and just, putting on the exorcist or something like that. I mean, everyone's all about watching horror movies at night alone. Like I don't know, watch it first thing in the morning, wake up, put on a horror movie. Why not? It was a really liberating way to do it because where I was living, it was in the middle of nowhere. So if you watch a horror movie at night, you are just, you're a sitting duck. Cause I'd look out my windows and it was just pitch black, but anybody out there could see in very clearly. So uh, I was very concerned at night. I kept thinking, Hey, if I don't wake up, uh, this is the way to go out. And uh, so watching it in the morning was a little bit better. Is it hard to not get into cliches of horror movies? It's a genre where there are so many cliches that people fall into the traps of, but do you want to kind of live up to some of those cliches or do you want to avoid them when you make a horror movie? I think you find, so you're inspired by a few different horror movies and then you find your own groove. Um, your story kind of finds its, its characters and then you really need to keep the audience guessing. And I think you really need to do that in an authentic way. And in my movie, my character is a, is a bird photographer. He's a nature photographer and he's in search of this rare bird that you can't find anywhere that he believes if he gets a photo of it, he can sell it for millions of dollars. So the guy's a bit of an idiot, but he takes it so seriously. And once I got locked in on the whole bird story and the cult story, the, the, the story just kind of kind of stumbled, kind of went along, and then you find these little moments that when you're, when you're in it, you can create those twists. So the, the crowd is expecting a cliche or they're expecting something to happen, and then something totally different happens. And I think that's where they start to become more invested. If a character like dies all of a sudden, like in Psycho, then they're in. But you got to do it in a way where it, it actually works for your story or it works – it's, it's almost like you have to stumble across the twist as you're writing it. Like it's not pre-planned. And so with this movie, there was a couple moments that happened like that, that I had no idea when I was writing it, they just sort of invented themselves. And that's when I think horror, writing a horror movie becomes fun because if the cliches will get people watching and then commenting, but then if you surprise them out of those cliches, then I think they trust you more. 
And does that make it then for the actors and as an actor yourself that as it's developing while you're filming a film that that can bring a more genuine performance from the actors because they're learning at the same time rather than knowing how this is all going to turn out? Yeah, that's one of the things that a lot of fun with directing this movie is uh, you notice actors start to know what's coming and they almost don't pay attention to the truth that's happening in the scene. Like they just say the dialogue. So I told some of the actors to go up and say something totally different or there was an object, for example, in one scene that was very valuable and no one was guarding it. Like if it was really that case, people would be much more careful. So I told the actor, just go up and break it if they're not paying attention. And they did that and it changed the whole outcome of the scene. Reactions were better. So I said from that point on, with every scene, I'm gonna try to have fun and, and, and really surprise people and and, um, and have, um, each scene try to try to take on some truth your first film that you directed as you just sort of touched on there i mean enjoy the experience enough that uh it's something that you might want to pursue a little bit more the directing side of things yeah i really enjoyed i mean writing is probably what i enjoy the most because you get to sit with sit with the story and create the characters and research it's just such a um you're so enveloped in what you're doing and, I, and i've always enjoyed that but writing and directing is also very rewarding because then you're bringing that story to life. Cause when you're writing, especially when you're writing in the location of where you're filming, you're almost directing it as you're writing it. And so, um, I'm working right now, uh, on a UFO abduction movie that I'm scouting and writing Very excited um, for this one. called forbidden sky. <laughs> and it's become, become, it's become a really crazy, crazy experience. Um, but I hope to do more of that. But let me be, I think it's a lot to star direct and write and all that. I think maybe do a little less acting and, and try to focus on the story and the, and uh, the characters. Cause I love that story that you've told many times about when you were a kid, how much you wanted to be a writer by writing a sequel to home alone and basically sending it off to, to John Hughes and that sort of uh, sparked that fire. So I guess it's kind of, when you have something like that as a kid and maybe life takes you in a different direction, you've still got that with you. You wrote The Disaster Artist. We saw obviously what happened with that. So that writing passion that you obviously had as, as such a young boy has always kind of remained. Yeah, I feel like storytelling is sort of what lights you up when you first start, whether it's um, we see that movie and we're trying to understand what it does for us. Sometimes it's, it's obviously music that people really respond to, but storytelling for me is um, is it the, the, the base of everything I've loved. So if you can just, um, you know, tap into that and, and, and write and just for fun, just start off writing stories for fun. Then to me, um, I'm doing it right. So with Miracle Valley, again, I went out with just the agenda, the goal of making something that would be fun to watch with the crowd. It must be exciting then too, you know, when you can come to Australia for say a, a screening of the room and meet those sort of fans, but to bring something like this, because it obviously brings it to a new audience. The The film's been out for a little bit, of course, in, in your neck of the woods in the States, but to bring it internationally, literally the other side of the world and kind of see people's reactions all over again from that beginning, which you've obviously been experiencing since the film's been out. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest rewards when you make a, make a film. The biggest reward is getting to show it to an audience in a theatre, in a theatre like the Orpheum. Um, it's a huge reward. I know we did that in 2018 with Best Friends, um, but it's, uh, yeah, the Australian audience has, has supported now for supported our films for 13 years, 14 years now, which is wild. Um, so it's just, uh, it's really cool again to bring something new and see their reaction to it. Now, hopefully it's hopefully, you know, worst case, it's the second 
best worst movie ever made. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. I, I I like that concept. I mean, it's it is obviously you know that section where you're going to have a bunch of people who are showing up for the room and uh, they're there to see that and they're to meet you for that. But is it a case of horror fans in general who are maybe listening to this and are in Sydney and just want to see a, a horror film instead and maybe oh what's the room and maybe they're the two people in their Australia that have never seen the room as well that maybe they're kind of the tack-ons from loving this film <laughs> definitely yeah I think again horror I mean I'm a huge horror fan so whatever I'd make would be the goal to give those fans a, a fun ride as well and um you know we got into Fright Fest UK which nice. is a great festival and and people like they really dug it there they said it had a little bit of midsummer a little bit of hereditary um wicker man so it's in that vein of, of cult style films and we shot it on ari so it's got a really cool style to it so if you love horror movies it's a quick one it's 88 minutes and um we shot it again on location in arizona lake powell so it's a, got a really cool style to it and um i think the aussie audiences will will appreciate it for what it is i love this concept of this ufo movie that you're obviously working on have you thought given the time you've spent in australia of, of doing a movie here. I mean, we're, we've got vast outback. We've got vast areas where there could be horror mixed with UFO. Maybe you could combine Miracle Valley and the UFO movie together as sort of like some sort of franchise and do it in the outback. I would love that. Yeah. I want to get down and see as much of kind of the country of Australia as I can. Um, all the cities I've gone to are obviously awesome. Um, but I would love to, yeah, to discover more and even involving maybe some Aussie actors, Aussie crew. And, um, yeah, do something down there. I think that's definitely a great idea. I'm sure there are UFOs down there too, right? Absolutely, of course. I'm I'm from I'm from they're probably all They're probably all about the Yeah, different they've got spiders on them and you know all those kind of different uh, creature feature things and that sort of stuff that you maybe don't have there. But I'm from Tasmania, Greg, and and we're a, you know, small isolated island. We've got large patches of wilderness that are barely untouched. So like we've got some great Great parts there for filming. Great mysteries going on out there. So you know, uh, come to come to Tassie and and check that out there and film it there. Absolutely, it kind of works. We're onto something. And just before we sort of um, touch a little bit more on on the room, Greg. Um, in terms of people who maybe can't make the screening on Sunday in Sydney, is a plan to have it uh, spread out, screen elsewhere in Australia, uh, can catch it on streaming. Sort of where can people sort of catch it if they can't make it on Sunday? Yeah. It's um, it is it's going to be on Blu-ray as well, and it'll be on streaming. I think coming up pretty soon. So uh, on Prime, if you have Tubi, I think it'll be on Tubi. I'm not sure if that's in Australia, yet, but yeah, it'll be coming to streaming uh, this year. Before I let you go, Greg, um, at the time of recording this, this is a a slight tangent, but you'll understand where I'm going with this. Uh, James Gunn has just jumped at the helm of the the DCEU and has sort of uh, announced a whole slate of of films coming uh, out in DC, and Tommy basically messaged James on Twitter and said, DM me, to which James Gunn liked that tweet. So a few fans are getting a bit excited that the Nerdist videos that you guys did a few years ago with uh, him as a Joker and you as Batman could come into reality. Are you waiting for a phone call from James right now to maybe be involved in the DCEU? And and, and is, is Tommy is Tommy on board? Do you think we're going to have the next Joker officially as a Tommy? Hey, you never know. I, I'm friends with uh, Sean Gunn, James' brother. We wow. used to be neighbours. Um and I know James liked the disaster artist a lot, so you never know. Hey, there's I love these connections. It could work out. You never know how it's going to play out. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, Greg, before we let you go, mate, of course, uh, this Sunday for people in Sydney who are listening, if they do want to come along 
to the Hayden Orpheum and see not only Miracle Valley, but of course the room. It's all kicking off from six o'clock. Uh, Miracle Valley is shown. There'll be a Q&A with yourself uh, between that and the room to chat about that. And of course, if people want to show up a little bit earlier, you're having a meet and greet autograph session there as well. Tickets are available online and uh, we are so looking forward to having you back in the country Greg. you got a long flight ahead of you so we really do very much appreciate you jumping on this uh chat for us because obviously a lot of travel but uh we are so looking forward to to seeing miracle valley and and seeing the room with the people who love the room the most the fans right always yep and we'll be there there'll be spoons and um <laughs> i'll make sure to uh be doing my my best mark and johnny impression and a massive, massive thanks to Greg there for his time and to the Hayden Orpheum Picture Palace for arranging that, for connecting us with Greg to allow us to have that chat there with him. Now, Greg had a very hectic day on the day of that interview. He uh, was scheduled to do the interview with me at an earlier time and had a flight delay and another flight delay and then travel delays and everything along those lines. So Greg obviously had a very long day, but was still very gracious in his time to be able to sit down and have a chat with me, which I am very much thankful for after such a very uh, hectic and busy day during his schedule. So a massive thanks to Greg for his time. And again, to the Hayden Orpheum Picture Palace for hooking us up and get along this Sunday. If you're listening to this at the time we are releasing it, as I said, just there at the closing part of that chat, this Sunday, 4.15 p.m., the Greg Sestero meet and greet will happen. You can get autographs signed. There will be merchandise available on the day that you can purchase to then get signed. That goes for about an hour. Arrive early so you don't miss out, so you get your spot there in the queue. I'm going to be there. You can meet me too. Ask my autograph too, but you really want Greg's, let's be honest. And then at 5.30, the doors open to the cinema, 6 o'clock, Miracle Valley, the Australian premiere, you'll get to watch it for the very first time on Australian soil. And then at 7.40, there's going to be a Q&A with Greg for 30 minutes, 30 whole minutes, Greg's going to be talking about there. And then the room gets shown and then boom, you're home with a fantastic Sunday night sorted. So check that out. If you want to hear, uh, see more details about that and get your tickets, orpheum.com.au. Click on the link on the homepage and you'll be able to see all the details there. Tickets are only 35 bucks, folks. Cheapest chips. You get two movies. You get to meet a movie star and you get to hear him talk about one of the most iconic bad movies of all time. What more do you want on a Sunday? Absolute treat for you in Sydney if you were there. And if you're not in Sydney, fly up to Sydney. As he said, he's had people flying in from Thailand and Malaysia before to see him before. So come on, big deal. Colin, if you're listening to this, I expect you to fly in from Winnipeg. Now, one thing that I just probably should touch on here, you probably heard me talk about, he's going to talk about the room. And you also probably read the description of this interview and went, he's going to talk about the room. Now, save for a little mention there of uh, Tommy James Gunn, the Batman, which is very exciting news, by the way, that there potentially could be a connection there into our beloved DCEU. You're probably thinking, Ben, there was no talk about the room. You're a liar. Well, my dear listener, I'm not a liar because we did talk about the room. However, however, I'm a tease because we are going to save Greg's chat with me about the room for our annual room episode later this year. That is right. This is called anticipation. This is called teasing. This is called dragging it out. This is called building up that anticipation to make you want to listen. This is the clickbaiting of podcast people. You are welcome. So if you want to hear what Greg has to say about the room 20 years on, then you will have to tune in to our room anniversary special later this year in August, August the 16th, to be precise. It is our fifth anniversary of celebrating the room. 
So there you go. We will tap that on to obviously some other form of episode. Colin and I might just sit back and reflect on the room again. Maybe we'll just rewatch and talk about it. We've done a commentary. We've ranked the characters. We've done the disaster artists. So we'll come up with some sort of new concept. But we will include our Greg Sestero interview about the room because we want to make sure that that ties in with our anniversary. So stay tuned. That will come later this year. And we will even release the video of it later this year. That's how good we are to our listeners. So you'll be able to see everything that you just heard from then, tapped on with the room stuff. It will all make a lot of sense when you eventually watch it. So big thanks again to Greg for his time. Get out and see the movie this weekend if you're in Sydney, Miracle Valley, and as well as The Room on the big screen. And I've never seen The Room on the big screen. I had a bit of a chat with Greg after we had finished recording there, and I said, look, I've never seen it on the big screen. And he literally said, well, Ben, you've never seen it at all. So I will uh, have to tick that off the bucket list this coming weekend. Thanks, Greg. Thanks again to your fan for hooking us up. That Thanks again for you for listening. My name is Ben. This has been the Oz Network. And oh, hi, doggy. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.